Hey there, freedom-loving carnivores. It's Jeff Dornick from Freedom First Network, and I've got a message for you. Are you tired of feeling like your beef choices are under siege? Well, fellow patriots, it's time to fight back with Prepper All Naturals. That's right, folks. In a world where the beef industry is under constant attack, Prepper All Naturals is here to stand tall and proud as a veteran-owned beacon of quality, taste, and freedom. When the guys at Prepper All Natural set out to provide you with the finest beef products, they knew they had a duty to defend America's beef legacy, and that's why we're proud to partner with them, bringing you the best of what this great land has to offer. Whether it's their succulent freeze-dried beef cubes or their premium freezer boxes packed with steaks and roasts, we're redefining what it means to enjoy beef today and tomorrow. And let me tell you folks, their freeze-dried beef isn't just delicious, it's built to last. With proper stores, their beef cubes can maintain their quality and freshness for up to a decade, ensuring you'll never have to compromise on taste or nutrition. But wait, there's more. They're not just in the business of selling beef. They're in the business of defending freedom. That's why they promise to never sell you anything less than 100% all-American natural beef. No lab-grown imposters, no experimental jabs, and certainly no compromises with the woke agenda. So, fellow beef enthusiasts, join us in our mission to protect America's beef legacy. Visit freedomfirstbeef.com and use code FFM for 15% off your order. Because when you choose Prepper All Naturals, you're not just eating well today, you're eating well tomorrow. And together... We'll ensure that beef remains a symbol of freedom for generations to come. Prep for all naturals, where beef meets freedom. So yesterday was Easter, and two uh, two progressive Democrats, two two allegedly faith based Democrats, Joe Biden and Senator Raphael Warnock, were uh, well. Let's just say that their Easter messages weren't exactly good messages for Easter. You have uh, Warnock, who has since deleted the tweet. We posted an article yesterday about how he essentially said, look, you know, you, you try hard, you work together. It was basically a workspace thing. You know, you can save yourself. Yeah, give me a break. I don't want to get started. Um, that type of, of heretical teaching from a so-called reverend as well as a sitting United States senator is ridiculous. But then you have Joe Biden who gave his Easter speech without actually ever mentioning, oh, Jesus, not once. How does a United States president give a speech for Easter and, and not mention our Lord and Savior, not mention our Messiah, the man who's, who's, uh, who's death and resurrection? Are the basis for Easter blows me away. The progressiveness of churches in the United States and people who claim to be Christians—that's the topic today. And we're going to have coming on here in about <laughs> in about thirty seconds. We're going to have cutting it close. We're going to have Natasha Crane joining us. She's written three books on the topic of apologetics. She has also wrote an article. Uh, uh, in response to a push for more progressive Christianity, especially in politics. And so we'll be very pleased to have her on. Um, Yeah, let's just go straight to her. She's sitting there waiting. Let's do it. Our next guest is a speaker, author, blogger, and host of her own podcast. She has an MBA from UCLA and a certificate in Christian apologetics from Biola University. In addition to her upcoming book titled Faithfully Different, which will be coming out next February, she's also published three other books, Keeping Your Kids in God's, on God's Side, 
talking with your kids about God and talking with your kids about Jesus. Three topics that I actually probably need to to read myself. Um, We are very blessed, pleased, and honored to have Natasha Crane joining us today. Natasha, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to talk with you. It is. You, uh, I actually don't remember how you came across my radar, but I was disappointed that I had not seen your stuff before. You've had a podcast for this, well, for this entire year. Uh, I was doing fabulously well. Um, just called the Natasha Crane Podcast, and it's uh, it's fantastic. We'll put a link to that in the show notes, of course. But um, but tell us a little bit about an article that you wrote recently that uh, got some got some really big big play. I went on CNS News, if I recall. Is that correct? Yes, it did. And it was yeah, it- uh, a response piece. Why don't you tell us what you were responding to and what your response was? Yeah, so this was a piece, that, an opinion piece that was in the New York Times by Nicholas Kristoff, and it's called Progressive Christians Arise, Hallelujah. And he makes the case that, quote, with a church-going Democrat in the White House, faith becomes more complicated in America, and he's making the case that that's a good thing. And, you know, it, it's interesting because mainstream media loves to portray theologically conservative Christians and politically conservative Christians in a negative light. And so they just love running pieces like this where somebody who identifies as a Christian comes along and, and basically, uh, you know, takes negative shots at their own. And so they like to run these kind of pieces. But a lot of times what you see is they lack nuance and they lack just some critical thinking really about all the issues that are involved. And so I decided to write a point by point response to this, because I think that a lot of Christians get confused when they read pieces like this. And it's also confusing for non-believers. They read something like this and it sounds like, well, this isn't, you know, this is different than what I normally think of, of Christians and, oh, these Christians are okay. It's all those other Christians that I don't like. Right. And so I think it's interesting that I think it's interesting and important that we as Christians can see the differences in in some of these points that aren't necessarily called out by the writers themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is obviously talking about progress, progressive Christians. Um, you know, we had yesterday was was Easter. We had a, we had a quote unquote Reverend Raphael Warnock, Senator mm-hmm. of Georgia. He posted that his perspective was that you know you can save yourself if you just if we work together and you're good for people. Now he he later deleted that tweet. Um, after we put up an article about it, is that a threat? I mean, is this is this something that we we as Christians, we as Americans, should be concerned about? The, this push towards a more progressive style of Christianity, in your mind? Is it a threat? Well, I, you know, people have all kinds of different beliefs, right? So that's kind of the same as saying, well, is it, a, is it a threat that there are Mormons in the world or anyone else? I wouldn't consider it a threat. I would consider it a confusion because you have a lot of people who are taking on the same label for themselves and saying we're Christian, but it's very confusing when they hold some very different beliefs than Christians have historically held. And so I think that's the difficulty in it. If you look at the research that's been done, about 65% of Americans will say that they are Christians. But if you actually do the research around what they believe and, you know, just asking them, do you believe in, you know, one sovereign God? And do you believe that Jesus is God? Basic truths that are taught in the Bible. Researchers have found that only about 10% of Americans have a biblical worldview. 
In other words, a worldview that is informed by these basic truths taught in the Bible. So that's a huge gap, right, between 10% and 65%. And in that gap falls many people who identify as Christian, but are not actually holding to what you would traditionally associate with Christian beliefs. So it is confusing because a lot of people don't understand that. There are people who are Christians who don't understand that. And like I said, there are also people who are non-believers. And it's very confusing for people on the outside to look in and say, yeah, Christians, they believe all kinds of different things. But these are the Christians over here that I like because they, they believe more like I do. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I get attacked. I, I leave my, my DMs open on Twitter. And, uh, you know, because if somebody wants to talk to me, well, who am I to, to deny them that ability? I, it has been probably since before the election, since the last time I received so much hate for calling out Warnock over that particular tweet. And um, this, it was hate from many who are not Christians, but some who, who claim to be Christians. And it was vile, very disgusting. And it, it I, I hate to say it, but it kind of, you know, I, I don't get affected by these things, generally speaking, but it took me by surprise because of so many people who you look at their Twitter accounts and they profess to be Christians and, you know, and yet they're, they're coming to the defense of this, this militantly pro-abortion man who is, who is speaking heretical uh, statements on Twitter before, of course, deleting them. So if progressivism within the church, if that's more of a misunderstanding and not a threat, what are some threats that we're facing today as as believers or as conservatives or as a combination of the two or just as Americans in general? Well, that's a really big question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how much time do you have? Right? <laughs> you know, that it, it's, it's hard. You know, it, de- it depends on what a person, of course, thinks of as a threat. Um, but I would say that Christians not understanding kind of what the issues are when you talk about the progressive theology, I do think is such a big confusion that it leads to a threat to people's individual faith, if that makes sense. Uh, and, And so what I like to explain to people is that this is ultimately an issue of authority and where your authority comes from. So for those who might not be familiar with what exactly is progressive Christianity, it can be hard to define in terms of beliefs, but there's a really good reason for that. And that's that the one unifying view for most progressive Christians, theologically speaking, is their view of the Bible. And that the Bible is not God's word for all time, but rather is a kind of a historical document where it reflects man's understanding of God at different points in history. But we're growing in our understanding as we move along and progressing morally through society. So it's not God's word, God's inspired and errant word. It's just man's understanding at one point in time. So for theologically conservative Christians, the Bible is God's word. It's God's word for all time. These are two completely different views. And when people, either Christian or non-believers, don't understand that, that's where the confusion sets in because it's where your authority comes from. For some Christians, their authority comes from the Bible. And for progressive Christians, their authority, ultimately, if you're not getting it from some kind of divine revelation, from some kind of scripture, your authority is yourself. And that's no different than the authority of a secular world. If you're irreligious, then your authority also comes from yourself. And that's why you see that progressive Christians so often hold social views that are no different than secular people because they have the same source of authority themselves. And I think that that explains so much. And I think that that's the confusion in culture today. 
is that people don't understand that that's the case. And that's why when you read an article like Kristoff's, where you see this kind of confusion about the theology and the politics, it's exactly this issue that progressive, theologically progressive Christians are looking to themselves for what they determine to be moral, what they determine to be correct. And so they are actually closer in view to secular people in many cases than to conservative Christians. So I do think, you know, when we talk about threats, I think that, you know, it's never a threat if someone believes differently than you, but it is a challenge, a deep challenge for Christians today to really understand their faith more deeply. And people are not biblically literate. Uh, they, don't, they don't know what the Bible teaches and they haven't thought about a lot of these things. And that's, that poses a very big challenge, I think, for believers today. It definitely does. We're on with, <clears throat> pardon me, we're on with Natasha Crane, whose knowledge has been thus far uh, exceptional. So she gave permission in her email for me to throw some curveballs at her. So here we come. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, you received a certificate in apologetics. So the question is, when is the world ending? Can you give us a date? Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I have an answer for that. No, I'm just kidding. I have no answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on, on the issue of apologetics, you know, as uh, I study, uh, I've read revelation. Gosh, at least 300 times, um, Daniel, uh, all of the, the various, the, the Old Testament prophets. Uh, and I've always looked towards, you know, I, was, I went through a phase when I would be looking for signs. Oh, is this it? Is that it? Is, is this the mark of the beast? Is that the Antichrist? You know, and I came to the conclusion after my wife really, um, really corrected me, came to the conclusion that it really is not a matter necessarily of looking for signs of, you know, trying to, to read into the Bible and make it fit into the current worldview, but rather just, just watch and see as it happens. Based upon your understanding and what you're seeing in the world, do you think that, I mean, is this, are we in the biblical end times, so to speak? I don't know. I, I I don't think any of us can know, right? And I think that at all kinds of points in our history, people, Christians have looked at the times and said, you know, this, this seems to be it, right? Because it, it, things just seem to get worse and worse. I don't think that we have a person, we don't perspective because we don't know where things will go. So like you're saying, I don't know that we can look at it and say, this is it. These are the end times. I think all of, all of these times are the end times in a, in a certain sense, right? And so all we can do is continue to be vigilant to stay awake to speak truth into a culture that's dark and it's decaying and and do what we're called to do and and that's it we are called to invest into our culture not to sit back and be silent and just kind of look at the world that goes by and say yeah they're a bunch of crazies and for me that's one of the um that's one of my pet peeves when i see how christians respond to the things going on you kind of there there's a whole segment of believers i think who look at it and it's almost like well i'm just going to sit back and let the world go where it's going because you know they're everybody's just crazy and ha ha look at what it's happening. Like, can you believe people think these things and they share links to things that are going on? And it's like, yeah, can you believe this? And I don't think that's helpful. I, I think what's helpful is to try to speak reasonably into an unreasonable culture. And if that's not received by people because they don't want to hear truth, that's not on us. I wrote a blog post a few weeks back called Christians need to care less about our cultural reputation. And, and I believe that there's only so much we can do uh, to, to have people hear truth 
and how they respond to it, that's up to them. And we can't control that. But we do need to take ownership of doing what the Bible calls us to do by speaking truth into the culture and where it's going and not just sit back, not be silent, not be sheepish, and also not just laugh at things as they're happening. 100%. Whether it's going forth to make disciples of the nations, being watchmen, there's uh, a lot of biblical backing for what you're saying, or even just just wiping the dust from from the soles of our shoes. Uh, we have to, our job is to get the, the message out. It's not to force people to receive it necessarily. So your, your last three books, um, Keeping Your Kids on God's Side, Talking with Your Kids About God, and Talking with Your Kids About Jesus. Obviously, there's a trend here. Um, and as a, a mother of three, you have, you know, I'm sure you have experience with talking to your kids about God. So I'd like to get into that, but I also then want you to transition into what makes this next book coming out in February 2022 different. It's called Faithfully Different, and it seems to be, I, I haven't read it, so I don't know if it is, it seems to be a departure from your previous three. Can you talk about all four books for me? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It is going to be very different. So um, just a very brief background. Uh, when my kids, about a decade ago, when I ha- had kids who were three, I have three kids, and they were three and under at the time, and I just started this little Christian parenting blog And I was just going to, I was a lifelong Christian, but really didn't have a very deep faith in terms of being able to uh, process and understand why there's good reason to believe that Christianity is true or anything like that. But as I started blogging, I had a lot of skeptics who started coming to my website and they started attacking everything that I was saying about Christianity. And I wasn't looking to have any kind of debate or argument. I wouldn't have known how to have that when people came by, but I started to realize that I didn't know how to answer things like, how do we know God exists? Or people saying the Bible's filled with errors and contradictions, or Jesus never even existed as a person in history, or, you know, don't you understand that evolution has disproven God? And I got all of these different types of comments, didn't know how to respond. And I just realized, you know, these things I'm doing with my young kids, like this is all cute and nice for now, but they're growing up in a completely different world than the one in which I grew up. And so I just set off into an intense reading journey where I educated myself on this area of apologetics, which is how you make a case for and defend the truth of Christianity. And then I turned my blog into a place where I was educating other Christian parents on the same thing and saying, hey, this is what people are saying. These aren't things that they talk about in church. They're not things you're hearing about. It's probably not stuff that your kids are being taught, but our kids have to know this today in this kind of culture that we're in. And so my blog grew out of that. And eventually I had the opportunity from Harvest House Publishers to write a book called Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. And it goes through 40 questions, and it's basically um, Apologetics 101 for Christian parents, written specifically for parents with parenting anecdotes, easy to understand chapters that just hits the biggest, most important things that kids need to understand today. 
But then after that book was written, people said, oh, I love the style of this, you know, easy to read chapters. It's not these big academic apologetics textbooks or anything like that. You know, where, what do we do next? What can we read? And so that's where the next two books came along. So talking with your kids about God is specifically 30 questions at the God level. So how do we know God exists? What's the evidence for his existence, the relationship of science and faith, these kinds of questions. And then my most recent one, talking with your kids about Jesus came out last year in the height of the COVID panic in March and a great time to release a book, let me tell you. And that book covers 30 questions about Jesus. So how do we know that he is who he said he is? What's the evidence for the resurrection historically? Uh, These kinds of questions. So yes, I've written three apologetics books specifically for parents born out of that experience. But I got to tell you that in the last year with everything that started happening with the riots and the Black Lives Matter movement and the cultural Marxism that started coming up, everything really shifted for me in terms of seeing the need of speaking into this kind of political realm as it touches on worldview. There are plenty of issues that I believe Christians can disagree on politically. And, you know, you can have different views on immigration while still loving immigrants, for example. But when you start to see these kinds of issues come up are really just antithetical to Christianity in terms of the neo-Marxist views that we're seeing. That's when I just started to say, you know what, there there needs to be so much more said in these areas for the average Christian out there who's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what all this is. I don't know what to make of it. And so I started writing about that a lot more in the last year. And, uh, and there were a lot of people responding to that. I wrote a blog post last summer that had 275,000 shares on it about how Christians are getting swept into a secular worldview. And I would say that that's a good summary in one sentence of my new book that's coming out faithfully different. It's all about how Christians are now a worldview minority. We're that 10%, if you're talking about people with a biblical worldview, and the secular pressure around us is just pushing in so strongly that it's affecting what we believe, how we think, and how we live. And so my book is really going to go through nine of those big pressures in those categories, talk about what the pressure is, why it's affecting us so much, and how we can respond more faithfully as Christians. Excellent. So first and foremost, you're very welcome to, uh, to post any of your, your uh, articles on the Knock Report. We do, we do accept guest posts, and we would love to get 275,000 shares. Um, <laughs> that would be nice. <clears throat> Second. We have, uh, you know, and we, we do take a, we get a wide range of, of Christian viewpoints here. Generally speaking, we do stay with Christian viewpoints. It's not, you know, I've had offers to, or we tried to get people on to discuss it from a more secular perspective, but it seems that we still just get the Christians. <laughs> they, they're the ones that, that will come on the show for some reason. So last week we had Melissa Tate. She has a very, very interesting perspective growing up in Zimbabwe. Um, her Christian perspective is is amazing and unique, and, and she does attack, use her faith to attack neo-Marxism and uh, cultural Marxism very directly um, with her book that just came out. Um, next week on Monday, we've got Mike Lindell, who has his Christian journey was was very different as well. <laughs> his, 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 his entire life journey has been very, very different. And so we're going to get to hear from him. Um, we've had Edwin Lutzer on. We've had a wide variety. But what ties them all together is that thus far, you know, like you say, you know, we've, we've been getting, I guess, the 10%, the people who do, who do seem to possess a, a true Christian worldview, a biblical worldview that does, you know, may not have a complete understanding of the Bible, who does? 
but at least understands the truths of the Bible, the basic truths that we're sp- supposed to be taught that don't necessarily get taught today. That's the the uh, the opening to uh, a long opening to a very easy, well, not necessarily easy, but at least short question with a potentially long answer. Who's to blame for this gap? You know, if there's if there's 65% of people who claim to be Christians in America, and there are, we'll say, somewhere between 20 to 40% who are regular churchgoers, depending upon area and stuff like that, how is it only 10%? Are we, is it the pastors? Is it society? Is it the internet? You know, what, what is forcing people to, to claim Christianity, but have no real understanding of what it really means? Yeah, that, that, that could be a really long answer, and I'll try not to do that to you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess a, a broad answer is that I, I wouldn't blame any one person or any one thing. It's so many factors. It's a, it's complicated history. I actually have been, I'm writing Faithfully Different right now, and I've been writing about sort of this history of, you know, how things have transpired all the way since the scientific revolution, the enlightenment, and people start to believe there's this false dichotomy between, you know, religion and reason, and that kind of led to a lot of debates, especially in the, the late 1800s and early 1900s between Christians and more theologically progressive and versus the conservative. So there's a long history behind this. But that said, when you look at the data, what you see in the research that they've done, you see that even since the 1980s, the percent of people who have a biblical worldview has dropped in half. So it's not that we had a time in American history, I think this is important for people to understand, it's not like there was this golden era where everyone really understood deeply the the doctrines of Christianity and lived that out just beautifully, and we had this perfect Christian society. That's never been the case. But even so, we have seen this precipitous decline since the, since the 80s. And you know what's, what is to account for that? Well, a lot of different factors all coming together at the same time. But I would say that, you know, you mentioned the internet. I would say on an individual basis of people becoming individually confused and not just looking at the big societal factors, that's a giant, giant thing. Because people now are watching their peers process these things out loud and they start to have the pressure of seeing you know look at all these people they believe differently am I supposed to you know do something am I supposed to turn my profile picture on Facebook black am I supposed to go out and do these riots you know and be be part of this people start to wonder how am I supposed to respond and I do think that there is a lack of engagement in many churches from pastors with their congregation on how to think well about these things. A lot of times it's just, I'm going to continue preaching what I was going to preach. I'm in my series on Mark and we're just going to keep going. And of course we want to stay preaching from the Bible. I'm not suggesting anything to the contrary, but what we have to make sure is happening is that Christians are being guided, not just on what the Bible teaches, which is an extremely important first step, but how do we apply that to our current cultural situation? What do we make of the things that we're seeing. And when people don't have that help to think about it, if they're not personally motivated to do the work and do the research, then they're going to be very skewed in their thinking by what they see on social media, the kinds of videos that become viral. You know, you see all kinds of deconversion stories today, for example, that that put doubts in people's heads from high profile people who are like, hey, I'm not a Christian anymore. I realized that I was really misled. You see this stuff everywhere. There are pressures coming in all directions. So I do think the internet has been a big part of it. And when you have that pressure, but the church is not responding in kind, 
I think that's where a lot of that gap starts to come about. And as an apologist myself, like I said, I've written three apologetics books. I think apologetics is critical and yet most churches ignore it because if people don't understand why there's good reason to believe what they claim to believe, then they're either going to walk away completely because they don't know why they should value it so strongly, or they're going to be confused in their thinking. So there are a lot of factors going on there, but I do think the church can do so much more. It's just that there's not one factor out there that's causing all of this. Very, very good answer. Along with Natasha Crane. I have two more questions for you. But before we get to those, I want to give you an opportunity to tell us where we can find you. Okay, we, uh, where's, where's your podcast? Where's the, where are your websites? Where do we find your books? All of that good stuff. Any projects you have going on? Um, any ideas for articles you want to write for Knock Report? Anything like that? Go ahead. <laughs> Another loaded question, right? Uh, no, you can find me at natashacrane.com. And then the crane is spelled C-R-A-I-N, not like the bird. Uh, and so you can find my blog there. And my new podcast is called the Natasha Crane Podcast. You can find it on any of the podcast players um, that are there. You can also hear it through my website. And my books are available wherever books are sold. So you can find them in the traditional places, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, places like that. We don't go to Amazon, but <laughs> we do. I know it's it's hard. We actually did boycott Amazon for it lasted a little bit over three weeks. We didn't make it to the month because we couldn't. It was something I don't remember what we couldn't find. We couldn't find something, and uh, we relented. And I feel feel terrible about it. So, two final questions. Number one. So, uh, it sounds to me that your your focus is on evidentiary apologetics when it comes to those first three books. Um, is there any place, and do you think that it's where did, where, where, what is your perspective on, say, presuppositional apologetics or any of the other various forms out there that are perhaps maybe, maybe too, more complicated, um, too complicated for kids, maybe even too complicated for, for pastors? Um, is there any good or bad in, in these other types of apologetics from what you've seen? Well, that, that, that's a big question too. And I, you know, I do, I, I do stay with the evidentiary apologetics because I think that, um, I, I do think that God is a God of reason who has given us the ability to look at the evidence that he's provided in nature and through revelation and to start from that perspective. And I don't think that it's too difficult to learn, uh, you know, how to do apologetics. A lot of people have that idea that it's this very heady type of subject, but my whole goal has been to bring that down to, uh, an easy to understand level for parents or really anyone else who who wants it in that form. So, you know, I, there are people who have different approaches to apologetics, but this is the area that the way that I focus on it, at least. Very good. And, and it wasn't, I, it sounded like it was a loaded question because I was trying to get you, or it sounded as if I was trying to get you to rip on, on a presuppositional apologetics or any of that stuff. No, no, I just wanted to make sure be, and you answered it properly because that's the thing is that, is that where do we start? You know, where can we begin? It's with reason and it's with evidence. And that's something that, that, you know, if people want to branch out into, into other areas, that's fine. But why not just keep it simple? Because the truth, the truth kind of tells the story for us if we just let it. My final question for you is, you know, we've talked about threats. I, I brought it up twice. We've talked about who to blame and all this other stuff. Let's end with a positive note. What is, what can we do and what should we be doing going forward? as Christians in the United States or around the world, you know, I guess we, we have our biblical callings. Obviously I mentioned uh, Matthew, but from a today perspective, you're looking at the landscape. What should we be doing as Christians to, to do the will of God? 
Well, it's sort of an overused saying, but bloom where you're planted. You know, I think that sometimes Christians tend to think that, you know, it, it's only people like like you or me who are out there saying stuff about, you know, sharing the truth, basically, and they are willing to cheer you on. And they're saying, you know, thanks for speaking up. But it, just because we're doing it in this format doesn't mean that other Christians can't be even more impactful in their own circles. And so I think sometimes like having, you know, a so-called platform kind of it throws people off because they think that there are just going to be certain representatives to to represent Christianity Day. But we need to every single one of us needs to be speaking truth to the people around us, the everyday people that you talk to be willing to speak up. And, you know, I've learned a lot of this recently for personal reasons, but it is not going to be easy all the time. There are going to be people who cut you off. There are going to be people who who hate you for what you believe. Um, you have to remember that if if you truly are convicted that Christianity is true, that Jesus is who he said he is, that he is the, the Lord of our lives, and that that this is everything, then there's nothing more important than standing up for the Lord and for speaking out into culture and speaking truth when done with love and respect. We want to always be mindful of that, that we're not sharing truth at the expense of making people think that we're a bunch of jerks. And I think that sometimes people do lose sight of that. And, and it really breaks my heart. And so we have to be careful in how we do that. And then at the same time, I think that it takes a good dose of humility when we're having conversations, especially with other believers who disagree on certain things to be willing to say, Hey, I don't, I don't have everything exactly right in how Jesus would have seen this specific policy issue, for example, you know, and sometimes Christians make it seem like, no, 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 this is, you know, this is how it is. Humility goes a long way. So you can speak truth with gentleness while being humble about the things that Christians can legitimately disagree on. Super well spoken. That's uh, that's exactly what we need to hear, I think. Natasha Crane, it has been an honor and a pleasure having you on. Um, I would love to get you on. We're going to start doing some more panels, um, especially pastors panels and uh, religious leaders, speakers, uh, not just not just people. I shouldn't say just pastors because it's going to be people outside of that realm necessarily. Um, always Christian, but but still not necessarily all all in the same little flock, so to speak. Uh, and one person that came to mind is is Pastor Sam Jones, who I, I actually interviewed him last week, and he's been a big proponent of politics and um, culture being guided from a faithful perspective. In other words, he's not one that says we got to separate our, our church from, from politics or culture. You know, he, and I think that you two would have make, make for a great panel because I think you're very like-minded. I too, obviously feel the same way since my site is based on religion, faith, politics, and culture colliding. Um, but yes, I'd like to have you on in the very near future if possible. Would that be okay? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. And I also followed you on Twitter. So make sure to follow me back. Will do. <laughs> Sorry. See, I, I try to end with jokes, and, and they've been failing miserably the last, gosh, three weeks. I need to like take a. Take Let's a, re-record that, and I'll laugh harder. <laughs> there we go. So I, no, you don't understand. It's been silent every single time. It's like, <laughs> my gosh, my ego is is dripping, dropping very down very low. All right, Natasha, thank you so much for being on with us. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. You know, I we do. We do these interviews with religious religious leaders all the time, and uh, and it's always fun, yeah. Because as a as a faithful believing Christian, 
I, I like talking to people who know the Bible much better than I do. And uh, I think that uh, Natasha Crane definitely qualifies as somebody who does that. And, and I know as people will, I'm already can see the comments coming in. People are going to say, oh my gosh, you were so mean. Why did you try to get her to, to talk about threats? Look, I am all in for this, the, her, what she's pushing, you know, the idea that we have to, we have to get along, um, you know, and we have to, to be kind and smart and represent our faith appropriately. Yeah. You know, sometimes I just don't know if I'm that guy. I just don't know if, cause I get mad. I do. I, I mean, I want to, you know, I'm like that guy in <laughs> that we talked about pastor Artur in Calgary, who's, who's you know, yelling at the police, get out of here. You Nazis. Yeah. Gestapo. You know, that's, that's more my, my style, but we need, we need all sorts. And I think perhaps we need more people like Natasha Crane out there. I think that it's, it's a calling for, for many. And I don't think that a whole lot of people are answering that calling, at least not enough. You can see it in the way the society is heading. So I will echo in a, perhaps a more aggressive way, what she was saying, get up, do it. Talk to your friends, talk to your circles, talk to your family, talk to anybody you can, whether we are in the end times or not, doesn't matter. We have one, one mission, one goal that we are pushed to do universally as Christians. And unfortunately, we're not fulfilling it. I know that I'm not. I'm not fulfilling it nearly as well as I could, as often as I could. So maybe this wake-up call for myself. For me as well, Lord willing, I will be back very soon with another episode. But in the meantime, you guys stay strong, stay safe, and God bless. Folks, listen up. I've got something crucial to share with you today. In this uncertain world, you need to be prepared for anything, especially when it comes to your health. That's where the wellness company comes in, offering you peace of mind in a box with their medical emergency kit. Picture this. You're faced with a medical emergency and you need quick, effective treatment. The wellness company's medical emergency kit is like having a strategic arsenal of life-saving medications right at your fingertips. From proven treatments like ivermectin to generic Z-Packs and amoxicillin, this kit has got you covered. But that's not all. Every kit comes with a medical emergency guidebook, ensuring you have the knowledge to use these medications safely and effectively. It's like having a medical professional right there with you when you need it most. And here's the kicker. Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health FFN. That's right, folks. 10% off, peace of mind in a box. Don't wait until it's too late. Get your medical emergency kit today and be ready for whatever comes your way. Stay safe, stay prepared with a wellness company. Again, Use code FFN to get 10% off your medical emergency kit at twc.health slash FFN. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.